0: The Ask Anatomist podcast is co-sponsored by the Faculty of Medicine, Nursing, and Health Sciences at Monash University, and by the American Association for Anatomy. Ask Anatomist presents A Bone to Pick. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Lazarus, an associate professor in the Center for Human Anatomy Education, the Faculty of Medicine, Nursing, and Health Sciences at Monash University. On this episode, we interview Lania Rubio on the brain and hearing loss. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Would you like to take a moment to introduce
1: yourself? My name is Mariulalia Rubio. I go by Lania. It's a kind of a nickname. I'm at the University of Pittsburgh, and I'm an associate professor over there in the Department of Neurobiology and Otolaryngology, could you describe your field and what the most
0: important aspects of your field are?
1: My field is in hearing and hearing loss. I think hearing, we have to divide it in two different levels. One is the periphery, the level of the cochlea, and the other is the brain. And we try to understand how a change at the periphery may affect the brain. But at the same time, also it's very important to understand how the brain responds to a peripheral changes. So we are not so many people that we are kind of at the bridge, because sometimes in science we focus on the detail, but I'm pretty much at the open door, right, at the middle. So we are trying to, again, if it's a peripheral change, how the brain responds, it adapts or it doesn't. In my lab, I've been working at, from the cochlea, that is the inner ear. So we have a, a nerve that connects to the brain. So I'm working at the door there. So where the auditory nerve, that is the nerve that comes from the cochlea, innervates the neurons in the brainstem.
0: And so the auditory nerve is, of course, aptly named because that means hearing. Could you describe the cochlea a little bit more?
1: The cochlea is like a spiral. It depends on the animal species and the human is relatively flat compared, for example, with the chinchilla or the guinea pig that is very, very long. And we have some epithelial cells inside and through vibrations, right, because once the sound comes, you have the tympanic membrane that is going to vibrate and that's going to lead to a biophysic changes in the fluid inside this tunnel, that is the cochlea. And some cells in the inner ear, they're going to translate the wave to electrical signals Then we're going to have the auditory nerve that is going to transmit that signal to the brain. So we're picturing a snail shell almost. Yes. yes, So it looks similar
0: to that. And so in there is fluid that changes depending on the sound that's coming through. Yes. What are the biggest questions in your field related to this topic of hearing?
1: So the big question is at the peripheral level, whether the epithelial cells, what we call the hair cells, regenerate or not after noise. Right. So, and the answer is that uh, unfortunately, they don't regenerate. So there's a huge effort to try to understand how we can make it at the molecular level, how we can regenerate hair cells. The question is, they will survive or, or not. Because the most important thing is that when you change the environment, you can create something on a petri dish. But when you put them in the organ, whether that later on, right, fits the connections and the appropriate function. So that's a big issue in the peripheral field. So they're trying to understand which are the genes that could cause deafness, but also how regeneration can occur of these hair cells. At the central nervous system level, the key is also trying to understand how plastic it is in response, for example, hearing loss. The auditory field or the auditory pathway, that's what we call this highway that connects from the lower brainstem to the cortex, is relatively complex. So, because it crosses pathways to one side to the other. So, each of the stations behaves in a different way functionally. So, we try to understand again how the neurons connect, which are the molecular aspects of the neurons and the synaptic neuronal communication. But also, again, a change could not be reversible, and you may have adaptation to a different situation, right? So the, the brain may adapt to a hearing loss. The question is if that adaptation is the correct one or not. For example, the most in question and many people have noise exposure, or they have exposure to a noise, and then they have the problem of what the people, we call it, tinnitus or tinnitus. Is this kind of a ringing in the ear, right, that it can occur at different levels. But that would be a maladaptation to a peripheral effect. So we're trying to understand that aspect, too. How does your research help address these significant questions? In my lab, we're trying to understand conductive hearing loss. That is not completely noise, but it also affects many kids and affects the learning. So, because I work at the first station where the auditory nerve is, and then anything that happens after this station, so if there's a change at this station, right, everything will be, the signal will be very different along the auditory pathway. So I'm trying to understand, again, how neurons connect to each other at the level of the molecular and anatomical level, a little bit of function, but also how these synapses or the these neurons adapt to the, to the noise. And the way that we do it is relatively simple. We use ear plugin. I mean, it sounds like that, but I mean, we can't decrease sound by 20 decibels. That is quite a bit. And for at least 10 days, that is the only thing that we can do, at least in these animal models. And the beauty of this is that we can analyze those neurons and synapses during that time, but also after we remove it. And that is what is mimic an otitis media, right? These episodes, they are not forever, so they come, they last for a little while, and then you go back again. So we are trying to understand how the brain, how these synapses, how these neurons, molecularly and structurally, respond to that, and whether that compensation is reversible or not. So for example, imagine the kids, so they have an episode of otitis media, they go to the audiologist, they check the hearing, or even an adult, oh, you check fine. But then you go to a noisy environment and you don't hear well. Or those kids have a problem of learning. So it could be because these uh, connections in the brain have already changed. They may do the gross thing that you can go very well around a city, but again, you may have trouble distinguish small little sounds.
0: So hearing is dependent potentially on the environment that we're in and our brain's ability to interpret it in that environment. What do you wish the broader audience understood about your research related to hearing
1: and maladaptive hearing? One important thing is that we don't value hearing as vision, for example. So we know that you don't see, it's a problem, you don't see the beautiful colors. When I not tell it to my mom, but she's losing hearing, and I'm trying to tell her, you need a hearing aid. You hear, it. And she doesn't want to do it because she doesn't value as much. So the hearing is as important as another type of sensory and periphery. And the important things are now, it seems to be that in, even in elder people, we know that it's a close relationship between hearing loss and also dementia because of isolation.
0: Is what you're saying here that if we ignore the hearing loss, it could have significant effects on how our brain changes. We can get brain changes because we potentially may be maladapting to the hearing loss.
1: I think it depends on what level. We're going to live longer. And if we live longer, there's a general degeneration of things. So one thing is to separate if someone is, for example, exposed to noise or has a problem of antibiotics that kills the cells in the inner ear. And the other is the normal aging. And that's going to be varied because my history is different than yours. So that's why some people hear better than others. Because, and people have said that now even the food that you eat and all these kind of things can affect because of the immune system, how good you are. So the key is that we're going to have a maladapting process through aging. Some people will do better or not. So the key is that how we can do it, that doesn't go so bad. And it's going to be a lot of work to do there because we have to go to different levels.
0: I think that's definitely a take home for me on this topic is that it's actually a very complex series of events. And there's some pretty critical anatomy actually involved with this process. And at each level of anatomy, you could have problems.
1: Yeah, it's anatomy. It's also genes could be involved there, biochemistry will be involved in there because whatever you eat you have different types of amino acids that can affect your brain chemistry and that will affect that. Also keep in mind that there are some areas in the central nervous system that they are more plastic than another because plasticity means how can adapt and we know that by circuitry that some are better than another but we need to try to put the things together.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Really appreciated insight on the complex series of events involved with hearing. Don't forget to head over to our website, askanatomist.com, for more episodes and links to resources. And follow us on Twitter. So if there's a topic you'd like us to cover, don't hesitate to ask anatomist and use the hashtag AnatQ.